SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. The freaking weekend is almost here, but first, it's a Friday on the morning after on SportsGrid. Sirius XM, Channel 159, the home for SportsGrid Radio on Sirius XM. And all across the SportsGrid network, I am Ben Stevens. It is a basketball Friday right here on TMA. The NBA is back in action. A Thursday night slate to recap and then look forward to a Friday night affair into your basketball weekend as well. And it's the second to last weekend, the penultimate weekend for most powered high major conferences across college basketball. So much to detail for you on this Friday right here on the morning after on the Spiz Grizz. A man that bleeds the winning edge and everything that incorporates the Spiz Grizz is one DRS. It is Donnie Wright's joining us here for the opening couple of segments on a Friday TMA to share that wisdom to make you a very profitable sports better entering your weekend. DRS, how you doing, my friend? Ah, the freaking weekend. I guess this is the remix to Ignition right now getting popped Ooh. off here on this show. And I am ready to go because it might be rainy here on the East Coast, Ben. But there yeah. is sunshine out there because the weekend looks like it could be so, so profitable. And I believe Donnie Wrightside had himself quite a Thursday night in the shooty hoops, looking forward to a profitable weekend as well. Donnie, let's begin in the NBA. Out of the all-star break, the association emerges in some great games last night on a Thursday. We begin in the Eastern Conference, not far away from our Midtown Manhattan studios in the other borough in Brooklyn and at the Barclays Center. The Nets' depleted roster struggled to muster up an effort last night against the Boston Celtics. The Celtics winning big in Barclays last night by a final score of 129-106. Boston easily covering as a nine-point road favorite. And DRS, don't look right now, but you might want to start paying attention. The Celtics have won 12 of their last 14 games, covering in nine of those 12 wins. This C's team, DRS, might be for real. Yeah, two teams going in opposite directions right now, but yet on the FanDuel Sportsbook, the number third team placed here to win an NBA championship, the Brooklyn Nets, a horrendous mm. roster, and I guess we're waiting for that next installation of the big three to come back and rescue them, but you talked about it, the Celtics on fire, the Brooklyn Nets, you know, certainly can't put out any fires in their own building, last night was no surprise to us, would they open up, Ben, maybe a 4-5.9, and that all of a sudden ballooned up to close to 10 points, yeah. easy victory for the Celtics, and again, that's a bad basketball team in Brooklyn, they need help and help Quick. Unlike most nights in the NBA, as we get going now in this home stretch of the regular season, where lines aren't going to come out until about 12, 14 hours beforehand out of the All-Star break because the book and casual sports better alike had some time to dive back into the NBA, these lines for Thursday night opened up on Monday night, Tuesday afternoon. And that initial line of Boston laying four was like, what are we doing here? And that's why it ballooned up to nine, and that made no difference as the Celtics easily covered. Donnie, it was the 12th time in the last 
15 games, the Brooklyn Nets were booked as an underdog. That is going to be the case for the Nets until Ben Simmons gets healthy and ramped up and ready to go. Until Kevin Durant returns from injury and in home games as of this moment, Kyrie Irving still unable to play. So that is where the Nets will find themselves even on a, their home floor as a home underdog. The worst ATS record at home, by the way. And I know, Donnie, that your co-host on the early line, old K-Dubs, Kevin Walsh, loved a Brooklyn Nets team total under of 44 and a half right team win total under of that updated number of 44 and a half coming out of the all-star break it had plus money a welcome to our sports grid radio audience here the opening hour of a friday tma right here on the spiz grid sirius xm channel 159 and all of our terrestrial radio affiliates as well i am ben stevens he is donnie right side looking back on the first night of action in the association out of the all-star break also one final note Boston has been incredible defensively. Brooklyn only shooting 24% from three last night. Jason Tatum leading all scorers with 30 points. Steph Curry, though, Donnie, something to pay attention to in the points prop market because without the big three for Brooklyn, Seth Curry, 22 points last night, has scored 20 or more in three of his four games in a Nets jersey. But elsewhere, around the Eastern Conference DRS, DeMar DeRozan does it again. 37 points on 15 of 21 from the field. His eighth straight game with 35 points or more while shooting better than 50% from the floor and hit the game-winning bucket under 20 seconds left as the Bulls beat the Hawks 112-108. Yeah, good thing also in this game, too, to see Zach Levine. He only had 20 points in that game but played over 30 minutes, so maybe that knee is getting a little bit healthier. And you talk about the Eastern Conference as a whole. I think one of those teams mm -hmm. that you sort of gloss over quite time and time again are the Chicago Bulls. There's about four to five teams in the East that are going to do some damage in the playoffs coming up. But again, DeMar DeRozan, unbelievable stretch every night over 30 points. And now, Ben, number four listed here in odds at the FanDuel Sportsbook Ooh. to be the, NB the NBA's MVP. Interesting. Donnie, that's a good spot by you. Now 10-1 to 1 for DeMar DeRozan, mm -hmm. rising up that board to be the most valuable player. Again, eight straight games with 35 points or more on a very efficient 50% or better from the field. Historic stuff for DeMar DeRozan. Also, Nikola Vucevic, a double-double in 10 of the last 12 games for the Bulls. His player performance double last night for a double-double and a Bulls win plus 126 Chicago covering as a three-point favorite at home they are now 22 and 10 against the number no movement in their price to win the Eastern Conference DRS still 15 to 1 the sixth best odds but a ton of movement on those Boston Celtics from 11 to 1 now to plus 750 the Nets odds also getting a little bit worse after the loss last night plus 300 the Milwaukee Bucks the lone favorite at plus 270 more from around the association up next here on the morning app. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
The NBA is back, and so are we, right here on a Friday on the morning after on SportsGrid. Sirius XM Channel 159 alongside Donnie Wrightside for a second straight segment, the second out of three. I am Ben Stevens. DRS, one of the co-hosts of The Early Line, each and every weekday morning, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern Time. And the money line, the new money line on Sports Grid Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 159, 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. Eastern Time on your radio dials. And DRS, I know that you guys dove in to the NBA all morning long here on the Spiz Grizz. And I think one of the more surprising results last night, or at least one that we were monitoring closely, what would the Phoenix Suns look like right now without Chris Paul coming out of the All-Star break? And they're doing the exact same things. That's winning basketball games and covering numbers even as a double-digit favorite. Phoenix goes on the road last night, covering as a 10-and-a-half-point road favorite, absolutely hammering the Oklahoma City Thunder 124-104. DRS, the Phoenix Suns, 49-10 and straight up this year in the NBA. They have been favored in 53 of 59 games, and they are covering 29 of those 53. 29 and 24 against the number a fantastic result for a team expected to win basketball games by large margins and the Suns continue to do that even without the point guard yeah welcome to the second half of basically the second half once you come out of the all-star break because now we're going to take a look at teams that actually are actively been not trying to win and teams obviously trying to push their chips all in and try to get a number one overall seed in a way to the NBA championship that's what you're taking a look at last night between Phoenix because we were guessing the line both myself and Kevin earlier in the week and I said you know what before the lines come out sounds about right Chris Paul's out on the road after the break maybe you're you know, not really up for this game a little bit of partying a little bit of relaxing and blowing off steam and I thought five points might have been a pretty good number well that number goes almost up to 10 we're saying to myself and gets as high as 11 and a half at the FanDuel Sportsbook I said whoa what's going on here so immediately you start thinking to yourself like well is Oklahoma City trying to win these games but also more importantly what am I getting out of Phoenix that's a tried and true basketball team they came out and handled their business second half end 37 points and 39 points 20 point victory but the comment was before that between myself and Kevin was like do you start taking these teams that aren't looking to win in the first half because if you took the Mm. thunder in the first half of that game you covered then they just imploded in the second half and got wiped out by 20 points so from a betting strategy second half of this second half as I like to say in the NBA interesting times here some teams trying to win some teams actively not trying to win Donnie I think that's a great point because although it's out of the all-star break we have said multiple times here on this show it's really the home stretch of the NBA regular season just over 20 games left in this NBA regular season so for teams like the Phoenix Suns still trying to maintain that six and a half game advantage atop the Western Conference standings it's full bore the entire time but for other teams like the Oklahoma City Thunder what do they really have to play for here in the final 20 games and OKC the second best cover percentage in the NBA all year being booked as an underdog in pretty much every single one of their games but they might not look to contend in the fourth quarter if they're down by double digits what's the point at that moment and I think we need to bring up Devin Booker because in the absence of Chris Paul it has been a spot to certainly look Devin Booker leading all Phoenix Sun scores last night with 25 points but also 12 dimes DRS and his assist prop was only six and a half of course CP3 was the NBA's leader in assists before this right thumb injury maybe now D book filling that void a plus minus last night DRS of plus 26 that's how efficient an overall 
performance it was for Devin Booker, who now DRS, I just want to bring your attention. I know Kevin has thought of this as well. 22 to 1 for Devin Booker to win the NBA MVP, the seventh shortest price on the board, and maybe some value if he does lead Phoenix to a substantial lead atop the Western Conference. No, it's a great look because what would he talk about, Ben, a lot of the times usage rate, right? There's a lot of assists and a lot of points that are going to be left out there if Chris Paul is not going to play and seemingly probably not going to be playing to at least the playoffs at this point. So if you're taking a look at those points, rebounds, and assists nightly, they're going to go up because his usage rate's going to be higher. How many times have we seen in this NBA season Devin Booker score 37 points and have two assists? Why? Because he's wide open because Chris Paul is drawing a double team and kicking it out to him for advantageous shots from three-point range or easy buckets and layups. And then you see last night, right off the bat, 25. 12 and 5. That's impressive stuff watching all the way through. And also, when you're talking about an MVP market, we usually like to pick the MVP from the best team in the NBA with the best record heading into the mm. playoffs. That could be Phoenix, mm. and technically, he'll be the best player on that team. I think it's a great point, DRS. I think either way you look at it, in the East or the West, you can correlate some of the races for the top spots in those playoff standings to how the MVP market might shake out as well. So Phoenix now on another long winning streak. They have won eight straight. They have been a double-digit favorite in four straight. And again, covering last night as a 10.5-point favorite on the road against OKC. The Golden State Warriors also a double-digit favorite on the road last night in the Rose City against the Portland Trailblazers. And DRS, the Dubs were trailing at the end of the first quarter to the Portland Trailblazers. And then... They never look back. They win the game 132-95. Eight Warriors last night, Donnie, scoring in double figures. Steph had 18 points, 14 dimes, and Golden State covers easily after trailing in the first quarter, covering as a 10-point favorite. He had a Clay Thompson prop last night that snuck over the total. I was anticipating Clay Thompson probably playing a good 30 minutes in this game, coming off of that injury where he saw the minutes restriction at 25. They sort of took those restrictions off him. They didn't need him to play in the fourth quarter. Absolutely blowout winner by the Golden State Warriors who are trying to chase down those Phoenix Suns. So both of those teams mm. won right away out of the gate. But also keep in mind, the same way I talked about Oklahoma City, do they actually want to win? The Portland Trailblazers, Ben, it's apparent they don't want to win. Nurkic was having the best season of his career and the best month of his career, and all of a sudden said, hey, that plantar fasciitis that he's had since September, yeah, it's just too much for him right now. We're going to reevaluate in a month and a half, which basically means, hey, don't get injured anymore. Sit this one out. We're trying to actively tank games right now, and it showed. 132.95, get used to that, Trailblazers fans, a nightly effect of you getting blown out. I think the only profitability on Portland right now might be Anthony Simons, who is just absolutely yeah. unreal, becoming a young star in the NBA. It was a big win, Donnie, for Golden State. They entered the All-Star break, losing four of their last five games, had not covered in seven straight entering the break, covering last mm -hmm. night as a double-digit favorite on the road against Portland. Again, a huge win, 132.95. The total goes over at 223. Golden State now five straight games hitting in over. It was an astronomically big total last night between Minnesota and Memphis up in the Twin Cities. 240 and a half is where the number closed between the T-Wolves and the Grizzlies. But it's Minnesota, Donnie, winning outright as a two-point home underdog, 119-114. The line worked in Minnesota's favor all afternoon long, and they prevail last night at home.
Yeah, a lot of talent there for Minnesota and a lot of points that we anticipated, which it ends up, you know, staying under that total. But at the same time, when you're trying to mix and match of what actually makes sense here, I took a total here for D'Angelo Russell's assist prop last night, over six and a half. He got nine, 37 and nine last night. Mm. And I got to say, tonight's Friday night. It's a back-to-back game. James Harden is in town. More good time says for the Timberwolves as a Sixer fan. I hope not. Oh, boy, we are going to look at the Beards debut tonight for the Sixers in Minnesota later in the show. DRS, we have talked about line movement coming out of this all-star break. I saw this line yesterday at one point in favor of Philly on the road. Now at two and a half this morning against the T-Wolves tonight. Carl Anthony Towns, by the way, a double-double as well. 22 points, 11 rebounds. Just the second cover for Minnesota in their last six games. But the T-Wolves, who are in that postseason play-in tournament mix right now in the West, have won eight of their last 11. Memphis has lost two straight now, the one prior to the All-Star break in their first game out. But DRS, in their last 19 victories, if Memphis is going to win. They are also more than likely to cover. They have covered in their last 19 wins, but not a win last night. So that is the NBA action from a Thursday night. Coming up on the other side of the break, we look at the college basketball action on a Thursday night that sets the stage for the second to last weekend in high major conference action around the country. It is going to be a good one. The final couple of days of February, March on the horizon. Another segment of the morning after is next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back right here on the morning after on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 159. I am Ben Stevens alongside Donnie Wrightside for the opening little bit of this Friday TMA right here. We are about to enter the second to last weekend of college hoops for most high major conferences around the country. Some of the smaller leagues, the mid-majors, begin their conference tournaments next weekend. It is a glorious time in college basketball. So the one and only place we can be is the zone. A champagne party last night up in Champaign, Illinois. A top 25 tilt in the Big Ten Conference. Number 22, Ohio State. Number 15, Illinois at home. And boy, oh boy, did it get feisty last night in the State Farm Center. Ohio State DRS holding on for dear life to maintain an 86-83 victory on the road over the Illini. The line worked in Illinois' favor, Donnie, because of some uncertainty around the status of star Buckeye player E.J. Liddell, a native of Illinois, by the way, a two-time Illinois Mr. Basketball of the Year as well. He was dealing with flu-like symptoms leading up to the game. Wasn't sure if he was going to play. He did. He had 21 points, and the Buckeyes went outright on the road as a seven-point underdog. 
Yeah, pretty good game there. And obviously for Ohio State, needing this down the stretch, mm. you're taking a look at teams like we sometimes forget. Like, it's late February. Like next week we are going to be in March. Every one of these yep. games matters. And we talked about it earlier on the early line. It's not so much about, you know, seeding for your own conference tournament, but you're talking about maybe a different line in March Madness by winning big-time games like this in a quad one victory where maybe you don't get a four seed. Maybe you get a three seed, a little bit advantageous as you try to march towards a March Madness championship. But that's a great win by Ohio State. And, boy, you're right. You talk about hanging on in a game they should have cruised down the stretch with about three minutes to go. Not the case. As Illinois brought it, that crowd was rocking, even without their head coach, but came up just a little bit short. Big-time win by Ohio State here for sure. DRS, maybe especially without their head coach and yeah. Brad Underwood, who was ejected with just under six and a half minutes left in that second half, firing up the crowd and getting his money's worth as he was walking to the locker room, pointing at Big Ten officials, turning around and pointing at Big Ten officials one final time before hitting the hallway to the locker room. And at that point, Illinois was down by 12, 70 to 58. They then rattle off an 18-8 run after Underwood was ejected to make this a basketball game. Illinois had an opportunity late. Trent Frazier, who came up in the clutch, turned the ball over. No foul call. Don't believe there should have been a foul on EJ Liddell. But a huge win for Ohio State. And I hope you just heeded, if that's the right word, some of DRS's advice right there and what he just dropped on you. Because these games are not just important for making the NCAA tournament. Oftentimes, when we do the resume comparison, it's for bubble teams. Who's going to be one of the last four teams to get into the big dance? But when you're looking at comparing a three seed versus a three seed or making a three seed versus a four seed, wins like this on the road against a top 15 opponent in conference play mean a lot for the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee. And your draw by the time you get to March Madness means as much as your seed line as well. And if you don't know the name, Malachi Branham for the Ohio State Buckeyes, boy, oh boy, you better start paying attention. 31 points on 10 of 14 last night for the true freshman for Ohio State. One of the best in the Big Ten Conference and making his impact felt here down during the stretch. Illinois, by the way, Donnie, only covering three times in their last 11 games. And Kofi Coburn might have had one of his worst games over the last two seasons. Only 12 points, only three rebounds, and fouled out of that game late in the second half on a despicable foul call, but fouling out nonetheless. So a huge win for Ohio State on the road last night against Illinois. No updated Big Ten odds right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook, but two games to certainly pay attention to this weekend. Wisconsin on the road in the rack in Piscataway, New Jersey against Rutgers. They are tied for the top spot in the Big Ten standings alongside Purdue. The Boilermakers also on the road this weekend in East Lansing against a floundering Spartans team that has lost five of their last six. So we'll dive into some of those games for the upcoming weekend in just a little bit, Donnie. But also last night, a big one out on the West Coast featuring the number one team in the country, the Gonzaga Bulldogs. And again, Donnie, the domination for the Zags is front and center this year, having one of the most dominant and most thoroughly impressive conference seasons we have ever seen. An average win margin in conference games exceeding 20 points per game and last night only a 10-point favorite on the road against San Francisco a team that ranks in Ken Palm's top 25 and Gonzaga still covering that number a big win on the road against USF last night now Ben quick question for you here would you call that game last night the penultimate game on the schedule here in conference play for Gonzaga would you have called it that I would say penultimate indeed yes 
Yes. So the only reason I'm bringing it up because I like to take like, you know, words that other shows use, but I use penultimate across the board. Like you could have 15 games left and I'll say that was a penultimate game just because I think the word sounds great. But let's get back to this Gonzaga game versus San Francisco. I'll tell you what was interesting about this. You saw 10 points as a margin or line say, whoa, that means USF is going to be really live in this game. Now, don't get me wrong. The Dons are a really good basketball team, but it was almost like one of those principal plays we talk about and say, look, you're not going to get Gonzaga here at 10 points or less for the remainder of the season. And the reason why I'm bringing that up here, the next game they play over the weekend against St. Mary's, that line might be under 10 points. So I asked Kevin the same thing. If I see an eight-point line with Gonzaga, Ben, I feel like I just have to bet it out of principle at that point. Do you? Absolutely so, Donnie. That was the handicap yesterday because it was nine and a half when it first opened up in favor of the Zags. They have been favored in every game this year, unsurprisingly. Now, 26 games in total for Mark Few's team. Entering yesterday, out of the 25, though, previous, only four of them has Gonzaga been booked as a single-digit favorite. The last time that happened was December 4th, in a game against Alabama, in fact, in which Gonzaga was upset. But since then, Gonzaga has won 17 straight games. Mm-hmm. That is what the Zags are doing right now in thoroughly winning these games. USF might be a tournament team with an at-large bid, Donnie. And they are a top five or yeah. top 25 Ken Palm team. And the fact that it was only a 10-point spread and that was a good number on Gonzaga should tell you all you need to know about the number one and unanimous number one team in the country in the Gonzaga Bulldogs. We know about Drew Timmy, the handlebar mustache and the celebration last year. A huge night, 20 points, nine boards, eight assists against the Dons. You might not have seen Chet Holmgren play this year. One of the top-rated recruits in the country last year, a true freshman for the Zags. You will see him a ton during the month of March. 21 points last night in 15 boards in this win over San Francisco as Gonzaga covers as a 10-point road favorite in a high total for college basketball standards of 157 goes over last night between Gonzaga and San Francisco. Donnie, I mentioned it. Another huge WCC matchup for the Zags to end out the regular season against St. Mary's. The Gales also a top 25 Ken Palm team. So that will be very, very exciting. And Donnie, I don't know how to quantify the Oregon Ducks of the 2021-22 college basketball season. Oregon started the year ranked in the top 15 in the preseason AP poll. Oregon made a run last year in the NCAA tournament. Oregon continues to be a team that at all times gets better and better as we get closer to the month of March. And last night at home in Eugene, pulling off the outright upset over UCLA, 68 63 completing the season series sweep Donnie of the 12th ranked Bruins both times Oregon winning outright as an underdog last night getting three at home and they went outright by five. Yeah, after losing to the Arizonas, right? Arizona State and Arizona back-to-back. You think, oh, boy, here comes UCLA to town. It's going to be a light number here. That's a big-time win there for Dana Altman. But that's what Oregon does. He's a great coach and certainly had that team ready to go. Three games left in their schedule, Ben. USC at home and then away with Washington and Washington State and off into the Pac-12 tournament. Going to be a great ride here. As we said, some really good teams play on the West Coast. Sometimes that East Coast bias kicks in. But these are the teams that do make some hay come tournament time here. They lost to both Arizona teams, did Oregon. Last Thursday night against Arizona State was a terrible loss, but they kept it tight against the number two team in the country, the Wildcats of Arizona, on Saturday, losing that game 84-81, covering as a 12-and-a-half-point underdog. Oregon as an underdog this year now, 
four and two against the number, winning outright in three of those four covers. So a huge win for the Oregon Ducks. And Donnie, as we look at the national championship odds right now for this college basketball season, Gonzaga's price is as short as we have seen all year long, plus 380 to cut down the nets in early April. UCLA's price now drops from 18 to 1 entering last night, Donnie, to 28 to 1. But the Zags in such a short number, what does that tell you about the Bulldogs? I'll tell you, it tells me it's a really good basketball team overall, but also about betting into March Madness. Typically, Ben, we're going to see about three to four teams that are heavy favorites. That's not the case. So if somebody theoretically knocks off Gonzaga, you're talking about a handful of teams, what, a good 10 teams with a legitimate chance to win. And from a betting side and a betting perspective, that's sensational and a lot of fun and a lot of money can be made on some of these long shots here. Sir. Certainly so. That short price is deserved of what Gonzaga has done this year. Is there value on it to win the madness that is the month of March in a tournament that we call the Big Dance? That's a different question. Also, as our good pal Kevin Walsh would say, Donnie, race to the window on Murray State. A blowout dismantling of Belmont last night. The number 19 team in the country, the Murray State Racers, winning 76-43, easily covering as a three-point favorite now murray state eight and one against the number in games booked with a single digit price so far this year drs donnie wright side go enjoy your weekend one of the co-hosts of the early line and the money line now 1 to 3 p.m eastern on sports grid radio drs always thank you so much for your time i love it man the penultimate host on the grid that's me ben penultimate the word of the day here on the morning after much more of tma to come sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com your weekend and we help you find that entering your weekend with a friday edition of the morning after right here on sports grid sirius xm channel 159 the home for sports grid radio on sirius xm and all across the sports grid network i'm ben stevens and helping us find that value on this friday it is espn.com's david bierman back on the show to look at some golf and maybe some futures markets in football as well some value in big ways entering your weekend so david thank you for joining us here on a friday Hey, thanks for having me. Nice little snowy day out there, and there's nothing better to think about than watching the Honda Classic Golf down in my old hometown of Florida while, uh, you know, it's snowing and ice and all that other crap in my driveway right now. So, Yeah, and that's the good thing is we can look at golf on a beautiful Friday morning in Florida and dream of much warmer times. And right now, off to a great start at the Honda Classic is Daniel Berger. He had one of these shorter prices entering the tournament but now is the tournament favorite on the odds board on the FanDuel Sportsbook he sits one shot back currently David but as a tournament is in its early stages you can still find value on some of the leaders at the top of the board or some of the favorites in the odds market as well what's the evaluation for Daniel Berger and what he's doing so far at the Honda Classic This is a perfect example of why you watch Thursday's golf and you feel things out. Daniel Berger would have been an obvious choice to win this event or at least finish high because this course fits him perfectly. It's a a shot maker's paradise, good iron play, smart around the greens, and and Daniel Berger's metrics fit this course perfectly, and he would have been my favorite to win this, and I wrote it up in the column that was on ESPN Chalk 
yesterday that I'm taking him as a top 10 and a top 20 because I was worried about his injury status. He would have been someone I would have taken the win at about 18, 19 to 1. But two weeks ago, three weeks ago, he withdrew from the tournament the day before with a back injury, missed the Honda Classic last year with a back injury, missed the cut a few weeks ago in San Diego at Torrey Pines because of his back. And they're like, I don't know how his back's going to play. So take him top 10, top 20, see what he does on Thursday. Came out and shot five under par, four under par yesterday. Jump on him today. You can get him at about plus 380, plus 360, depending on right now what he's doing. It's a great example of why you watch Thursday, feel things out. Obviously, I'm not his doctor. I have no idea how his back really is. But he's playing really, really well. And I think that right at this point, he should be the favorite to win. So, yeah, you're not going to get the 18, 19 to 1 that you could have gotten Thursday morning. But you also could have gotten a WD to go along with it if his back hurts. Now that you see he's healthy and he's playing well, there's a guy I would jump on to win this event at, you know, about three and a half to four to one. David, I think that's a very astute point. So how do you compare the value entering the tournament to what might be perceived as less value right now on Daniel Berger, but still a plus money price to go win the tournament even on a Friday? Well, if you got to look at it as before the tournament starts, you got 144 players in the field. You're picking one guy out of 144. That's why you're going to get double-digit 20 to 1, 25 to 1. Even Brooks Kepka was 28 to 1 at one point to win this event. So you're getting those long odds because there's 144 people in the field. After one round is played, you can eliminate probably at least 50 golfers who are they're gone. They're they're 10 to 20 shots outside the lead. Probably eliminate another 50 golfers just because you've seen the way they're playing. It's not the course for them. So you're really down to, I mean, after the cut today, you're down to half the field. You're going to have 65 in ties. But you can reasonably say that for the most part, after Thursday's first round, you can get your top 50 or 70 guys that you think can win this event, when in reality it's probably closer to 20 guys. And being based on what Daniel Berger did day one, obviously his odds are going to shorten to what he's at because he's tied for the lead as we're talking. But 360 yeah. for a guy who it does very well on this course, it's a course that fits his game perfectly, and he was playing pretty well before he got his, his, his re-injury of his back. If he's playing the way he can play, he should win this event. He was the favorite to win it last year, would have been the favorite to win it this year if we knew about his injury. So I think the value really, Ben, comes into you can eliminate about half the field, if not more, based on Thursday. I mean, there were guys that went 7, 8, 9 over par yesterday who were long gone. Even the guys that are around one or two over probably aren't going to win this. So you look at anybody who's under par right now because the cut's probably going to be one or two over. Those are the guys that are going to win this and Berger right now at, at five, six under par is someone that I'm going to be playing. And it's still very difficult to pick an outright winner even when there's mm -hmm. 70 good golfers in a field versus at the start of the tournament when there's over 140. But we don't often think, David, of betting golf with an in-game live wagering perspective. Like, as the action is going, betting on it then. It's before the tournament and then see what happens maybe by the time we get to the weekend. And you mentioned it. Those odds that we showed right there on Daniel Berger are becoming shorter because live right now, they are changing. On the FanDuel Sportsbook, Berger is now plus 250 to win the tournament as a very short favorite at the moment. So, David, how does your handicapping change as the golf event goes on and your live approach to betting throughout a PGA Tour event? My live approach usually is dictated by the type of course it is versus the type of player it is. And in Daniel Berger's case, the injury was the factor. In other people's cases, take a Justin Thomas, for instance. I'll give you um, a big example uh, last year, Justin Thomas's problem hasn't always been putting. He's one of the best shot guys on the tour, 
but his putting has been an issue. I woke up on a Saturday morning. I watched him birdie four consecutive holes down where he was way off the lead because, you know, he started out early Saturday morning because he was about 10 shots back. The guy was hitting putts from 30 or 40 feet out. I'm like, if he's going to putt like this, he's going to win the tournament. Took him at long odds. He wound up rallying from eight shots down and won the tournament the next day. Doesn't always happen that way, but looking at what the player is missing versus what he's doing. If he's a strong putter, but a weak driver and he's starting to hit fairways, that's the guy you want to grab. If he's a good driver, but a weak approach guy and he's starting to hit greens, it's a guy you want to have. So looking at the shots gain metrics, which are live on the PGA Tour app, you can get them. Seeing where guys who have weaknesses are not being weak in that area, plus the way the course is. This is a course where you have to hit greens and you have to be able to scramble well. If you're doing both of that, you jump on in there. And then lastly, Ben, you watch the odds move. You're watching it, and at some point you can get some value where, let's say it's Sunday and you got two guys that are tied for the lead that have a four-shot lead over the field. Sometimes the odds aren't adjusted to the point where it's going to be either one of those guys and if the odds are in the right position, you can bet on both of them and one of them are going to win. It doesn't always happen that way because you could have eight guys within one shot on Sunday. But kind of pay attention to as the odds move, where each guy is on the course, you know, remember how many holes they have left. Don't jump on a guy that has the lead when he's done in the clubhouse because somebody can catch him from behind. So always pay attention to where they are on the course, what holes they have left. Is it easy holes? Is it difficult holes? Know the course, know the player's weaknesses, and then jump in when you can. A very sharp breakdown right here on the morning after from ESPN.com's David Bierman for the Honda Classic currently going on at PGA National and how to approach a PGA Tour event as it is happening with the live in-tournament wagering opportunity. So, David, is it only the future outright board picking the outright winner of the event, or are there other areas of focus throughout a weekend on the PGA Tour that you like to dive in on? I mean, I'm a big fan of the top 10 and 20 markets. That's kind of what I start off with before Thursday. I'll pick a couple of outrights, but for the most part, I'm picking 10s and 20s at 2 to 3 to 4 to 1 odds. And you can do that in-game as well. You can do that usually after the cut's made, DraftKings, FanDuel, Caesars, what have you. They usually go there and offer top 5s and top 10s. Again, look at the leaderboard, look how they're playing, and say, all right, this guy is currently 3 under par, 2 out of a top 10. Is he going to have a good weekend and jump in there? You can play those Saturday morning and Sunday mornings, and of course, you have the matchups. You can always play the daily matchups. I usually do tournament matchups before the tournament, and then I'll pick one or two matchups on Saturday and Sunday that I like based on how the guys have been doing, because even though you might not pick a guy to win, let's say Brooks Kepka isn't a guy you think you're going to win, you could still pick him to win on Sunday versus whoever he's playing or Yachty, right. vice versa. If you think Brooks is not going to care on Sunday and he's not playing well, you can use it to your advantage to take the plus money on the other side. So there's a lot of different ways to play it. I personally like the top 10 and 20 markets. And then on Saturday and Sunday, I usually jump in with the outright lives. Right now, Brooks Kepka 12 to 1, the third best price to win the Honda Classic outright on the FanDuel Sportsbook. But David's expertise is in a variety of subjects, and we're talking about finding plus money prices and value entering your weekend or maybe even entering our next NFL season. So, David, let's start in the NFC and the conference championship market right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook for the NFC because it feels very up in the air next year with many quarterback uncertainties except maybe for the favorites you see right there in the L.A. Rams. So what is your approach to the futures market right now on this conference for the NFL next season when there's a lot to be ironed out throughout this offseason? 
to me, it's a wait and see because you have no idea where these quarterbacks are going to go. I do like the six to one on the Packers. Should they keep Aaron mm. Rodgers? Obviously, I think that price is basically in flex depending on where he goes or what he does. But if Rodgers comes back to Green Bay, then they're going to be the favorite to win the NFC, and you're getting them at six to one. That being said, they haven't closed the deal at all over the last ten years. So why would you want to have right. the Packers? to win the NFC when they can't do that, even with home field advantage each of the last couple of years. I still think the value is there because if Rodgers is coming back and you think he's coming back to Green Bay, 6-1 to one is a good price because they are better than the Rams. They were better than the Rams last year, except for obviously in the playoffs, and you never know what has going to happen with the Rams if they're going to be able to bring everybody back. I do think looking at that list that I'm not a fan of the team, but I am a fan of the direction they're headed is I think 17-1 to one on the Minnesota Vikings – could be mm. a decent play, new coach, Cousins possibly comes back. If Rodgers leaves the division and goes to the AFC, all of a sudden you have a very weak division with Packers without Rodgers, Lions aren't there yet, you know the Bears aren't there yet. So keep an eye on both the Packers and the Vikings because those are going to drastically change depending on whether Aaron Rodgers stays or goes. So you could try to play it and predict it. If you think Rogers stays, you take the Packers at six right. to one. If you think he leaves, you take the Vikings at 17 to one, or maybe you take both and just throw it out there and see what happens. At the end of the day, you're going to have Packers, Rams, Niners as the best teams. But Ben, the NFC is unbelievable because really anybody can win it because you have no idea what's going to happen. You don't know if Seattle's going to be back with Russell Wilson. Yeah. You don't know who's going to replace Brady in Tampa. It's all up in the air, whereas in the AFC, you have three or four really dominant teams. The NFC, it's it's a coin flip. You can get seven, six to one or 17 to one in a coin flip situation. Yeah, you're really trying to forecast the future and get ahead of the market if prices might become shorter either in the next couple of weeks or by the time we get to the preseason and training camp opening up in the summer as well. And you mentioned the AFC, David, a different picture than the NFC. Two very short prices. The Buffalo Bills, the favorites to win the conference at plus 350. The Chiefs just 30 cents behind at plus 380. The Ravens now, a little bit of movement in their favor, 50 cents less at plus 950 but with the short prices on buffalo and kansas city does that lead to value other places on the board david only about a minute left in this segment i think it does and whereas i think the bills and the chiefs deserve to be the short prices and I, you saw it in the playoff game this year how epically great those two teams are if you're looking for a longer price i think the chargers with justin herbert at 13 mm. to 1 and their explosiveness they have um and even pace, maybe gambling on the titans maybe they get a quarterback to replace ryan Tannehill and pair with a healthy Derrick Henry could be a good price there. But I still think it comes down to that Bills and Chiefs, and you only wish that was the AFC title game this year and not the divisional yeah. round. It's also so interesting to see Buffalo now a lone favorite ahead of Kansas City. I think based on that AFC divisional round, maybe some more optimism for the Buffalo Bills as opposed to the expectation of this is where the Chiefs are always going to be david beardman of espn.com finding you the value both in golf and the futures market in football entering your weekend david thank you so much for your time on this friday thanks ben enjoy the weekend as we talk about nice weather in florida for golf we were hoping for nice weather in florida and arizona for spring training we talk major league baseball lockout coming up to round out our number one right here on the morning app sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com 
Closing out our number one of the morning after on this Friday, entering the weekend right here on the Spiz Grizz, otherwise known as Sports Grid. Sirius XM Channel 159, the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. And all across the Sports Grid Network, I am Ben Stevens. This was a time that, although it might be cold and dreary out where you are along the East Coast, as there's rain and ice falling from the sky, what gives? It was 65 two days ago. We were supposed to be thinking of bright sunshine and hope springing eternal for spring training. But we're not, because baseball seems to be in a very very bad spot so as we round out our number one and as the deadline as detailed by major league baseball comes on monday for when regular season games might be canceled if we don't have a deal done we need to hear from you what is your optimism level around the lockout coming to an end in mlb let's find out right now and fade the public Three options for our poll question today to really drive the sense home of if you have some negativity or pessimism surrounding the negotiations ongoing on a daily basis, maybe multiple times a day between the MLBPA and the owners in Major League Baseball. Will the MLB lockout end before Monday's deadline when regular season games may start to get canceled? The three options, yes, no, or lol, good one. Yeah, when you look at the poll, ongoing and active at SportsGrid TV on Twitter, there is an overwhelming sense of sadness and pessimism for this deal getting done at the weekend's conclusion because no is the favorite at 53%, and Law Good One has the second most votes, around 37%. Only 9% of the public out there think a deal might get done prior to Monday. I like that optimism entering your weekend, the 9% of you out there. I hope you are correct. We want baseball. Just let us look forward to warmer times in the summer with a hot dog and a Bud Light. Hour number two of the morning after is up next. 